Hey, holy people. I am your host, Maya Ariel Gaston, and this is the Thoughts and Testimonies podcast. In this podcast, I hope to share with you a little slice of my life and the ways in which I discern how to live as the light in what could seem like a really, really dark world. Now, I am far from perfect, but I do try my best to press forward towards perfection. And these short stories, I pray you find ways that you can be you, shine bright, and stay holy. And if that ain't possible, then maybe take that up with God. Hey, holy people. Look at God, y'all. He saw fit to usher us into the fourth month of the year. Y'all, this is episode 14 of the Thoughts and Testimonies podcast. And this might not mean much to you, but it means so much to me. Three years ago, I put out only four blogs. And they were bi-weekly at that, okay? (laughs) They were not consistent. And I gave up on it. But here we are, four months of consistency, four months of weekly consistency. And it has been nothing but a testament to God's hand on my life and the encouragement of you all, my village, that has kept me going. So thank you all so much. To God be the glory. Because baby, we made it to week 14. So as many of you know, Jalen and I have the privilege of assisting with the village of our young adult ministry at church. Well, last Sunday, we hosted our second fellowship um, discussion. We opened up with an icebreaker. Um, And this icebreaker that we went over this time really brought me into a little bit more of a deeper reflection. We asked the group, what's something new that you've learned about yourself over the last three months? And I think it's a very applicable question that we could also ask ourselves here in this space, seeing as though the third month of the year has ended and we are now entering April, which is the fourth month of this year. So what's something new you've learned about yourself over the last three months? Because we, if we are truly invested in bettering ourselves, um, we should be reflective every now and then. We should take an inward look. Because, you know, we aren't perfect. <laughs> I wish we would be, but we aren't perfect. And we certainly aren't all-knowing. There's only one person who's all-knowing, and that's our God. So have you taken the time to get to know yourself a little bit deeper lately? And if so, what did you discover? Well, luckily for me, I have a living and breathing record of my thoughts and testimonies through this podcast and blog. And what I noticed is that God has been so faithful. I mean, so faithful. He has provided so many open doors for me lately. And if I'm being honest, If that was left up to me, baby, I would have disqualified myself. I would have said no. I mean, in fact, I I did say no on several occasions. Um, Or I would have just plain out, just never positioned myself, set up myself for this level of success that I'm walking into. What I learned is that my inner Maya, this inside voice that I have, is so loud. And discouraging at times. And honestly, it's low-key in this default setting. By default, my inner voice tells me no. By default, my inner voice thinks about fears and anxieties before my godly voice takes over. I am so thankful I am not in control over my life. And that I am so thankful I have the word of God 
to speak life when my inner critic seems so loud. It's almost like my inside voice at times went undetected. Um, it's Satan's inside man. It's like, like I'm helping him do stuff so he can keep his hands clean. I'm doing the heavy lifting and committing all the crimes that he's, you know, out to set out to do. Robbery, steal, theft, murder. But because I'm his inside man, because my inner voice is doing the work for him, his hands are clean. And we know that the Bible says that Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have a life and that we may have it abundantly. This is so good to me. Because Jesus exposes our enemies. Like, we already know what Satan is trying to do. There is no secret here. Like, he literally gave us the blueprint. And we also know that Jesus gives us a promise in this. That not only am I called to life, but I am called to live my life in abundance, in overflow. And I'm going to do that as long as I'm rocking with him. So why is it so important for me to get my inner voice under control? The voice is telling me that I'm not good enough, telling me that I'm not the person for the job, that I am never satisfied with the work that I do produce. I mean, I feel like I am living and walking in abundance. But I'm going to be real with y'all. How many of y'all know that living in abundance doesn't mean that you won't have trials? That living in abundance doesn't mean that you're perfect, right? <laughs> that you won't also have remnants of your old life. We know that the weapons are still going to form, but we need to ensure that they will not prosper. And the way that I have kept weapons from prospering is by speaking life over myself. By replacing the negative that's in my head with the positive promises of God. And it's a process, right? It, it really is a process. But when I am affirmed, I'm equipped for these attacks. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why this month's series is called Affirm. I want to spend this April speaking life over our circumstances through affirmations. This month, we're going to speak life over our identity, our purpose, our faith, and our families so that we can go into this second quarter of the year equipped confident and ready for battle because we understand the authority given to us so today friends let's look at our identity in christ now we ended january's episode saying we knew who we are called to be now satan knows this good and doggone well and he also knows that he cannot touch that. So what he does is he tries to take captive our thoughts. And if successful, and if we are not careful, he will also try to take captive our minds. And then what we see is ourselves end up acting like Satan's inside man, which he uses to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, an inside job is a crime committed by or with the assistance of a person living or working on the premises where it occurred. This is a person who has gained the trust of a person or organization who betrays them in the end with the access said group or people granted them. Let me make this play. If we are not careful, we will give the enemy access to our minds and our thoughts and then 
he becomes an inside man. Well, really, we become his inside man where he is going to be stealing our happiness. He is going to steal our joy. He is going to try to kill our dreams, kill our hopes um, by closing doors that we know that God meant for us to walk through. He is going to end up destroying families and destroying esteem. Destroying confidence and eventually our identity. This is why the proverb says in Proverbs 4.20, pay attention to my word. This is Jesus talking. Pay attention to my word. Bend your ear to my speech. Don't let them slip from your sight. Guard them in your mind. They are a life to those who find them and healing for their entire body. Did you see that? Life and healing are in God's words, which means that the opposite of that is death and sickness. So if the enemy can get inside of your mind and replace God's words with his words, all of a sudden, instead of living in life, you are walking in the shadows of death. The proverb continues by saying, more than anything, you guard, protect your mind for life flows from it. Have nothing to do with a corrupt mouth. Keep devious lips far from you. Focus your eyes straight ahead and keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way and all your paths will be secure. Don't deviate a bit to the right. Don't deviate a bit to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. Did y'all catch that? More than anything, guard your mind. Our headquarters for our body, our thought center, our processing center guard it more than anything now i love the bible because it doesn't just tell us about satan god was so kind to give us the blueprint for how our enemy works i want to take a look at a few stories where we see satan in action but we literally see everything behind the scenes we can see his approach to how he tries to get in our mind how he tries to hire us as an inside man um we get to see some of these conversations. So um, I'm going to take a look first at Genesis, a very, very popular one. We all know when Satan um, tempted Eve and this is the whole reason why we as women out here in pain every month and pain during a childbirth. Right? <laughs> this is a very familiar story. Um, but let's look at that through the lens of identifying how Satan gets inside of our mind. So I'm going to start with Genesis 3, 1 through 7. It says, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals the Lord had made. I mean, he, he's smart. Okay, he's smart. He's devious. We already know this. We've identified him. Um, he said to the woman, which was Eve, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, don't touch it. Well, you, if you touch it, you're going to die. And so then the saint says, no, you're not going to die. Um, it says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it and she also gave it to her husband, which was Adam. Um, who was with her and he ate it 
then the eyes of them both opened um, and they knew that they were naked. And so they needed to cover themselves up, right? Let's skip on down. Essentially, they are here hearing the sound of God. Verse 8, they hear the sound of God and they start hiding. And God's like, why are you hiding from me? Like, what you got going on? So in verse 13, Eve says, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Okay, so a few points here. Satan came um, to take captive her thought, right? She was confident. She knew exactly what God told her. She repeated it word for word, right? Like we could have any fruit, but you see that one right there in the middle? He told us very specific instructions. Don't do this. And then this going to happen. We all die. She was very confident in that. She had no doubt. She was also satisfied. Um, and then after this, she had to focus on herself. So Satan took what was good and twisted it, warped it. And so now she's like, well, maybe I do want to be wise. Well, maybe I do want to be like God. Or maybe I do, you know, want to see these pretty things, right? So he he takes that and warps it, right? And when she was confident, now, you know, she she's doubtful. She, well, did God really say that? Oh, no, he must not have meant that. Um, And so this inner desire of her wanting to become wise. Now, let me just pause here and say, this is exactly how Satan got kicked out of heaven. Because he literally told God these I will statements. I will do this. I will. And God was like, you know what? You let your pride get the best of you. Gone and go down. Right? So this, this, this is nothing new. Okay? This is nothing new. He wants us to be full of ourselves. He wants us to have doubt. He wants us to be less confident and less assured. He wants us to second guess ourselves. Right? Um, Eve was in a deep relationship with God deep relationship with God and then all of a sudden after this happens after she's listening to this thought now her and Adam start hiding from God <laughs> and had their brand new since when they do this and it's all because Satan got into her mind and so um I hope you all can see how Eve became the inside woman for Satan he couldn't do this by himself he needed um, to get her on board so he could then have access to her mind. And so one thought led her to convincing her husband. And then that ended up to having consequences for the whole entire world and generations to come. Eve gave Satan access. Okay, I want to look at another familiar story. A familiar story that had a very different ending to this. And I believe that when we're looking at these and comparing them, we have received instructions on when we hear that inner voice, when we receive instructions or a dialogue that's anti to what we know and believe that God has told us, um, we are able to see how to walk that out, how to deal with that, right? The second one I want us to look at is Matthew 4. And this is also probably a very familiar story for you all, um, but this is the, the story of when um, Satan came to tempt Jesus when he was in the wilderness. Okay, So looking at Matthew 4, I'll read and summarize very quickly. Um, so Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Boom, we've ID'd him, okay? There ain't nothing fishy going on. This is the devil. 
Um, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Do you hear me? If this man ain't ate in 40 days and 40 nights, I would be hungry too. Um, so what we see is Satan coming, already planning his attack when the flesh was weak, when Jesus was hungry. That's when he thought his defenses were weak. That's when he thought he could have access, right? Then we start thinking about this inside man. That's when he thought he could take advantage of the access that he had been given. Um, and so the tempter, Satan, approached him and said, well, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread, right? Like, if you are what you who you say you are, you shouldn't be hungry. <laughs> and Jesus replied, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, do you, do you see how my Jesus clapped back? Do you see? Do you see how my Jesus clapped? with assurance, with an expectation, which, ooh, it was beautiful. Then the devil kept trying, right? He kept trying again. Um, he tempted him, what, two, three more times. Um, and every single time, Jesus is like, it is written. It is written. It is written. He responded with the word of God, okay? Um, and so what I see here is Satan trying to take advantage of the mind of Jesus, of the state of of mind that Jesus was in. He was hungry. His his guards were down. He um probably was more likely to or he thought was going to be more likely to second guess his his self to give in to his flesh, right? To place doubt in this mind. Like if you are who you say you are, that's he's trying to attack his identity. Okay? And for me sometimes when I think about my inner critic, that's what my inner critic does. Um when I sit, when I, when opportunities come my way or people ask me to do something, my first immediate thought is, mm, I don't know about that. Get somebody else to do it. Like I don't know if I'm qualified. Like that is Satan attacking my identity, trying to gain access to my thoughts, um, so that I forget who I am and whose I am, right? Uh, but that ain't work, right? Jesus replied, "It is written," and he responds with that each time. And so when I'm looking at this, it's like Jesus has some on spot affirmations for Satan, okay? Like, I got this in my pocket just in case when I'm feeling weak. But if y'all are like me, sometimes it's just not that easy. You like, Jesus, that's amazing. She was able to respond like that. That is not my story. It's not my testimony. If I ate in 40 days, 40 nights, somebody tell me that I can make some bread out of these stones. I'm finna abracadabra make some bread out of these stones because I'm hungry. <laughs> Um, and so this is why I want us to take a look at this third familiar story where we get access to Satan's blueprint. Okay, we don't really um, see dialogue with him often in the Bible, um, but I think in these three stories we do, and it's for a reason. So I want us to take a look at the behind the scenes that God gave us from his faithful serpent, Job. And so in Job 1 through 9, we see that God has a hedge of protection around us. Now, in the other two stories, we didn't get to see this background conversation, but I think it's important for us to think about that here um, because I know that this is going to be, the, this was probably the case in Eve. This is probably the case in, um, with, with Jesus when he was in the wilderness as well. So in Job verse 1, 9, um, we see a dialogue between God and Satan. And Satan was out here roaming the earth, came back, 
popped in on, on um, the Lord. And the Lord was like, what is you doing? What have you been up to? And they was like, oh, you know, I was just walking around the earth first. Take note. Okay, Satan out here busy. He is walking around the earth. But the thing that I noticed after listening to this again and reading this again is Satan was walking around the earth, right? And it says that he was, um, he was roaming the earth and walking on it. And in my head, I imagine that because God has a hedge of protection around us, he was walking because he didn't have access to the people that he thought he was going to have access to. So he had to keep on pushing, right? Because if, if the Lord asked him that question and he did gain access, right? He wouldn't be roaming. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. He, he he wouldn't be. He would be busy. And so even that in my mind was was something key is that that when this conversation happened, he was walking. He was roaming, but he was doing that because he did not have access. And he will continue to do that. He could continue walking and doing all that stuff. But I'm not going to open the door and let you come in and have your way and be busy. Right? Um, so it is possible for him to be um, busy walking and not meddling in my life. And that's how I intend to keep it. <laughs> but so verse 9. So the Lord is like, okay, um, he was walking around. I know you peeped. I know you peeped my faithful servant because you thought you got him, right? You thought you had access to him, but that's why you kept walking. In my head, that's how the scripture reads, people. <laughs> and Satan responds, um, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge of protection around him, his household, and everything that he owns? You have literally blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. And this is where he put, put doubt, right? He needed inside man. But Lord, if you stretch your head and strike everything he owns, he will surely curse you in your face. Well, we know exactly how this story turns out, right? Um, so few things. Satan has to receive permission to wreak havoc in our lives. Um, and this is where following down, right? The Lord is like, you know what? Like, keep your hands off of Job. But go ahead, try to do what you need to do with his possessions. And I can guarantee you that that Job's not going to curse my name. So even within that, one, Satan has to get permission. And two, there are restraints on what he can and cannot do. I will also say, is a lot of times people preach from this, people talk about this, and they say that Satan needs permission from God. What I see, thinking through the lens of me and my inner voice, that Satan also needs permission from me before he wrecks the havoc in my life. Because... You could take my possessions, you could do all these things as we've seen in Job, and I could still be a whole person. I could still be positive. I could still be whole. I could still be walking in my calling. I could still be affirmed. But the moment I let you inside of my mind, you now have the ability to allow me to lose hope, allow me to be depressed, allow me to be anxious. And that's not material things. We're talking about my life. Right. This is why I feel like there are a lot of people who have suicidal thoughts and we want we, we think that, oh, they're down one minute. And the next thing you know, they done, you know, killed themselves. And so when Satan can get into your mind, it can literally end in death. He can take your possessions all day long, but you're still living. You still have a life. Right. Um, 
So I genuinely think that he has to really get two sets of permission from God and then an inside job permission from us. He has to hire us as an inside man. Um, But we know from the story of Job and how Job responded in verse 20 that Job arose. He tore off his clothes, honey, shaved off his his head, fell on the ground and worshiped God. Okay. Um, And I think this is a, a good example of our posture. And we see the iconic, right? Like, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'm going to leave this earth. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. So Satan thought that Job was going to curse him. Then he did. Job goes on. Very, very long story um, about how Satan continues to try to get into Job's mind. Job is in dialogues with his family. Job is in dialogue with his friends. Um, Job at some point, you know, begins to have conversation with God and demands to hear from God because he's like, this just don't make sense. Um, and then eventually at the end, everything was, is restored to him, right? So as I thought about my response earlier to this young adult ministry code, um, right, what is something new that you've learned about myself? As I began thinking about how strong my inner voice of discouragement is sometimes, I just couldn't help but to offer God a praise. Because I see now how bad that inner voice could have gotten and how loud it could have gotten, but I thank God that he has equipped me with the tools to make Jesus my inside man and not myself. Because with Jesus as my inside man, God is still in control. God grants and denies permission on my behalf, on my strong days and on my weak days. So in my prayer time, I ask God, what is the takeaway for us today? Because y'all are holy people. And I know y'all already heard all three of these stories. I know y'all already knew all these things. And so I ask God, what can I do for you all, for his people to help you make Jesus your inside man, not Satan and not yourself? How can I help us as a people to be affirmed? How can I, as a reminder to myself, um, sis, when that inside voice gets a little loud, you need to affirm yourself. You need to guard your mind, as the proverb says. So I started to look at the definition of what it means to be affirmed. Well, because I believe that society has made this fluffy positivity movement of affirmations as so much of the things that happen in our life, good things that just get overly introduced to the world and people take their own spin on it and all this stuff. So I needed to go back to the definition of affirmation, okay? Um, And Webster blessed me in ways I was not expecting. Webster is a good man. Do y'all hear me? <laughs> Webster says to affirm means to insist. And to state as a fact, usually forcefully. It also says that you can use affirm as in to declare or to state clearly and strongly. That its synonyms are to declare, protest, and assert. But look at the sermon that I found at the bottom of this definition. Honey, somebody asked a question. It said, how is the word affirm distinct from other similar verbs? And the answer that Webster provided Well, it says, well, all these words mean to state positively, usually in anticipation of denial or objection. Affirm implies conviction based on evidence, experience, or faith. 
So when I say that this month is affirmation, April, that we, that today we are focusing on identity affirm, what I'm saying strongly with conviction and anticipation um, that we are who we are, that, I, that that's what I want you to take away, right? That, that you have a strong conviction and anticipation and that there is not a sliver of a doubt in your mind, not a door that will grant Satan access, not a willingness to be an inside man because we have evidence in God's words of his promises, that we have experiences and testimonies that he has and he will perform. And we have a little bit of a larger size of faith than the size of a mustard seed to declare it as so. That's what I'm saying when I say we are in affirmation, April. It is a reminder for ourselves to have this boldness to decree and declare things over our life, to guard our mind against our inner voice. So we see here, right, how Satan tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus was already, his mind was guarded and protected. His identity was affirmed. He knew exactly who he was and whose he was. And I believe that this is an example that we should look to too, right? Unlike Eve, when Job was tempted in his identity, he was also affirmed. He knew that he knew that he was innocent and that God was still good. He still worshiped God. Now, what I do appreciate about Job and what Job shows us is that it's okay to still have emotions and feelings. We might not all be already like Jesus and be able to say, boom, this is the word, get behind these Satan, right? Some of us might really be like, okay, this is a little tough assignment here, Jesus. I need you to come talk to me just like how Job did. Um, but you have to know where to take those emotions. Because if you try to deal with those emotions and thoughts yourself, you're going to allow Satan to hire you as his inside man. But if you focus your eyes straight ahead and keep your gaze on what is in front of you, like the proverb said, and if you watch your feet on the way and your paths will be secured, that is a promise, child of God. Do not deviate a little bit to the left or to the right, right? Don't get a little distracted. If you, if, if uh, Satan says, well, did God really tell you that? He did, okay? Because I'm not looking left and I'm not looking right. He told me what I told me and I'm on this path. So um, if you do these things, right, as the Bible says that Jesus will become your inside man and he will defeat Satan. I am literally so quick to operate in fear and anxiety internally. Like, it's just ridiculous. One of my coworkers told me that she was surprised to hear this because when she thinks of me, she automatically thinks that I'm the epitome of what exuding confidence looks like. But everybody got stuff that they deal with, right? And if I'm being honest with myself, um, I, I have to admit that I have this inside voice that is negative, okay? It's not out of control. Um, but as I reflected on that question we asked earlier about these last three months, every opportunity that was given to me, Every opportunity I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to walk in, I hesitated in, and I told myself no. And that's a problem, okay? <laughs> that is a major problem. Um, it is nothing to be concerned out over the people. Um, but we just going to keep it real. We're going to keep it humble, open, and transparent here. We're going to keep it hot. Um, and so, yeah, I, I am. I, everybody got their stuff to deal with, and I'm quick to say, mm, get somebody else to do it. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have the resources to do that. I don't know if I'm the right person for the job. I ain't even sure if I'm prepared yet. The only automatic no that we will ever get in life is the one that we give ourselves 
when we don't give ourselves a shot. That's what I told some students um, when we were talking about applying for scholarships. I told them, listen, the only automatic no you ever going to get is if you don't even apply. And so I admit, I killed so many of my dreams. I have allowed Satan to rob too much of my joy. But over the last three months, I am so proud to say that I know a God that still raises dry bones, okay? That still recitates dead things. A God that has control over my life to make sure I operate in his plan and not my plan. So as I asked God what we needed, right? As I asked God what the tools are, what the takeaways are, he told me that we need to call in, call out, and carry on. Did you hear me? <laughs> call in, call out, and carry on. We need to call in. We need to speak things over our life to take captive over our inner thoughts. We need to get God's word in our minds so that it's louder than our voice. But we also need to call out, okay? It's not enough just to keep these things in your mind. You need to say that out loud. You need to command it in the atmosphere with an expectation and an anticipation that it's going to come to pass. And then we need to carry on. Walk like it's already done because it is so, right? Jesus said it is written and he kept it pushing, okay? So take off the grave clothes and walk into your new clothes, your glory clothes. So I want to leave you with this episode with some affirmations. And as I repeat them, I want you to repeat them where you are. And if you don't feel like that statement doesn't fit you yet, honey, then keep on repeating it until you start to believe it. Because I'm a witness that it can and it will happen. Okay, now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm not trying to repeat this wheel, okay? There are so many amazing affirmations online available to you all in so many different formats. Um, When I am feeling really down sometimes, when I feel really negative sometimes, um, I put on, there is a YouTube video with Stephen Burdick. There's a few other ones as well um, of somebody talking and I repeat it and there's music in the background and sometimes some um, day how I start my day in on Monday morning, I pop my little headphones in. Nobody needs to even know what I'm listening to. And I'm intaking scripture and I'm intaking affirmations, biblical affirmations, right? Affirmations we know rooted in truth, rooted in promises and God. And so um, I, there is this um, blogger that I, and this fellow podcaster as well, um, who I will link in the bio, but I this be very transparent. Okay, mine's and I make this up. <laughs> um, but we are going to repeat the affirmations. She has royal affirmations rooted in our identity in Christ. This week, I want to focus on affirming our identity in Christ. Um, so again, I'm going to repeat them, and I want you to repeat them where you are. Um, what I will say, check on the blog um, for this list of affirmations and the scriptures that are going to be rooted in them. Um, I will probably just post a um, link to the blog that I'm referencing for you all so that you can see that um, and, and and speak scripture over your life too. But as I said, I want you to repeat them. Now, some of y'all going to hesitate because you might be in a car with family members. You might be at home. You might be at work when you're listening to this. Baby, this is what I got to say, okay? If you need them, likely chance that somebody else around you need them. It's likely chances you probably say the affirmations because of the people around you <laughs> and the, how they have you feeling. Um, so speak that out because that is something that they probably need as well. Okay, and this is conversation sparker. It's a way for you to introduce Jesus into their lives. Don't be mad at it. Do not be embarrassed. Okay, and if you really just like I ain't feeling this, my journal it down, write it down. So without a further ado, 
let's affirm our identity in Christ. The first one, I am a crown of beauty and a royal deity in the hand of the Lord. I am filled with joy because Christ is my strength. I am a child of God. I am his beloved. I am in fact seen by God. I am holy and I am blameless. I am marked by God. I am treasured. I am alive in Christ. This one right here is my favorite one. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's workmanship. Do you hear me? I am a work of art. I am God's masterpiece. I am hand-picked. His word says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So not only am I hand-picked, but I have access to anything I want through my Father. I am healed. I am accepted by Christ. I am not forsaken. I am secure in Christ. I am no longer a slave to fear. And let's keep going with that one. I am no longer a slave to anxiety. I am no longer a slave to imposter syndrome. I am no longer a slave to trauma. I am no longer a slave to past mistakes. Keep that one going, honey. That would hit a little different for me. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a friend of God. I am a co-heir to his kingdom. I am made in God's image. I am free. I am redeemed. I am victorious. I am gifted. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. I am a branch of the one and only vine. I am the light and salt of the world. I am a city on a hill and I will not be hidden. Last one, I am it. So I hope y'all repay that back. I hope y'all speak life um, over yourselves. Take captive that inner critic, that inner mind, and begin to, as we are in this April, just speak affirmations over your life. Um, I had ordered, um, in preparation for this, I ordered um, one of those little desk calendar-ish things, um, but it is one that is filled with positive affirmations. And so each day when I go to work, um, I have an affirmation that I pray over. I have an affirmation that I speak over myself. And so as we are entering into this April, I want you to be affirmed, okay? I want you to really reflect 
over what something you knew, what something new you learned about yourself over the last um, three months as we are entering into quarter two of this year. And I want you to double down on recognizing who you are and being confident in that and walking in an expectation of this confidence. No more negativity. The world is already negative. Okay. But what I do want us to do um, before we get off is I do want to offer a prayer. We are headed into second quarter. Um, I am just filled with so much thankfulness and gratitude. And I really do hope that this has blessed some of you all. But I do want to usher us into this um, month of affirmations with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I come to you right now thanking you for waking us up this morning. God, thanking you for allowing us to see month four of this year. Heavenly Father, you have been so faithful to us. You have been so good to us. Heavenly Father, you have been a friend like no other. Heavenly Father, you have shown us grace and mercy when we did not deserve it, when we have forgotten about you, when we have pushed you to the side, when we have other priorities, Lord God. But Lord, I thank you um, that you have a plan for us and that your plan does not depend on us. I thank you that you will make our path straight. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are just all-knowing and all-powerful, Lord God, and that you already see the end of today. That you already see the end um, on this year, Lord God, that you already see the end to each day, in each week, in each month, in each year. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity for us to come together as your children, to gather together and be affirmed in who we are. Oh God, as we spoke affirmations over our identity and you, Lord God, I thank you that we are yours. I thank you that we are co-heirs to your throne, Lord God. I thank you that you have a plan for us, that you love us, Lord God. You have done all that you have done, given us your son for us, Lord God. Um, I thank you for each and every little thing that you have done to prepare us and to make us confident human beings that can go out into the world and be a beacon of light and hope in what is a really, really dark place. Heavenly Father, but if we're being honest with you, sometimes it just gets hard. Sometimes the going gets rough, but Lord, I'm reminded that you, your word says, do not be weary in well-doing, Lord God. So we come to you in this month of April to be reminded, to get rejuvenated, to get refreshed, Lord God, to be reminded of who we are so that we can, we do not get weary in the well-doing, Heavenly Father. So I ask that, Lord God, you increase our confidence that you increase our assurance, Lord God, um, that you just guard our minds. Lord, we we seen the conversation, Lord God, about Job. We know that you have guarded all of our possessions, Lord God, that I just thank you, Lord God, that your hedge of protection extends not only on me, but my possessions and my family, Lord God. And I know that if you care that much about me to guard everything around me, Lord God, I know that I am a woman of worth. I know that I am a child of worth, Lord God. And I thank you and I praise you for that. So Lord God, help us to take captive. Help us to guard our mind so that we do not allow Satan to have access to that, Lord God. Allow us, Lord God, to just be able to speak life, Lord God, over our lives. To be able to speak what is written just like Jesus did when he was tempted. Just like Jesus did when the devil thought that he was going to be able to, to put negative thoughts in his mind, Lord God. We invite you into our space, Lord God. We ask that you have your way in our bodies and our minds. 
Heavenly Father, so that whenever a negative thought comes to thought, that you um, replace it with a positive one, Lord God. That whenever a negative thought or whenever our inner critic comes in that says we can't do something, Lord God, that you remind us that we can do all things through you who strengthen us. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for what this month is going to do to us, Lord God. I thank you and I praise you for allowing us as, to have a reminder of our identity, to remind us of who we are and whose we are, Lord God, so that we can be affirmed based on experiences, based on faith, based on assurance and confidence and a conviction, Lord God, um, that it will come to pass. So I thank you for this. Lord, I ask that you bless all those who are going to receive this word, Heavenly Father, allow them to receive it the way that, that you gave it to them. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, people. That is all I got for you today. I pray that you have an amazing week. Y'all know what to do. Y'all know exactly what to do. Be you shine bright and say, holy, holy people. And if that ain't possible, then baby, put that away, God.